0: All right, it is Friday. It's time for API storytelling time. Let me bring my friend Aiden in. Hey,
1: What how
0: are you doing today?
1: Pretty good. I'm uh, I'm excited. It's it's now like officially spring, and it's finally getting nice outside.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, well, it's kind of a cloudy day here today, but it's been really nice, so I'm I'm feeling the vibe too. Let's uh, let's loop Mike in.
2: Hey hey, welcome, sir. Hey, it's good to be here. How you guys doing?
0: Feeling good. I got my second COVID shot, so I'm I'm uh, supercharged, five G, all that good stuff.
2: Very very good. You know, I think I don't know if we talked about this last week. I I got my shot a few weeks ago, so I'm like hundred percent and past all that. And the first time the whole family got, uh, you know, everybody made a hundred percent was Cinco de Mayo, so we all went out. We had drinks and dinner, and had a good good time outside. Six days later, I'm back outside. I went I went biking a little bit, out to dinner again. So all this talk, like I said, I don't miss this, and like I'm fine and all this. No, man. In less than a week, I've already been out to dinner twice. So I think I think I'm feeling good. <laughs> good,
1: good.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, sure. what's the, what do we got cooking today? I hear we got a got a pretty cool guest coming.
1: Yeah, we got a very special guest uh, who we're lucky to have, Uh, I think one of all of our favorite people to talk to when the world is open, uh, and to I'm sure get dinner and drinks with when it's allowed. Um, (laughs) Greg Koberger, uh, who's the founder of Readme is here to talk to us today. Um, He's been in the space for a really long time. And I can't wait to have him on the show. Yes, I've
0: had drinks with Greg in many places in many events. So uh, let's get him in here. And let's kick this off
3: hello hello how you guys doing hey good to see you you as well I am about to join your club uh, in about two hours get my final shot uh, so uh, <laughs> cool, so uh, cool. pretty soon I'll be uh, be, be with uh, the, at least the two of you uh, Ken and Ken and Mike but uh, <laughs> so yeah that's right that's happening right after this so we'll see how that goes but thank right. you guys for having me on
1: yeah it's good that you're doing the show before the shot I know uh, because apparently it knocks people out yeah,
3: we'll see how it goes.
1: Hopefully, uh, hopefully not that bad. I have to drive, so uh, hopefully,
3: hopefully I can get back home before things go go south. Oh yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. It's
0: it's <laughs> it's that that night after and the next day that really kicks your butt. If it does, like my wife was fine, so I should have done it on
3: like a Tuesday, so I had an excuse to take a few days off from work. Now I just lose a weekend. That's right. So
0: that's right.
2: <laughs> oh man.
0: So uh, so you do read me, which yep. is I think um. One of, the, one of the API services out there that I think has kind of leveled leveled the conversation and brought in a lot more, uh, I would say, non-developers, business folks, leadership, people who want to try to reach a wider audience. I mean, reach the developers, but I think the, your guys' approach to making APIs tangible and, and approachable is something that appeals beyond just developers and makes yep. it something that is is almost you know it, it's just more palatable and, and and approachable by business folks and it looks like something that's not it's not that github i mean github looks nice too i don't always understand this one but people have you know uh, they're like ooh i don't go to github i'm not a programmer mm-hmm. but readme portals are very approachable and something that i mean and managing it so Tell me about like how how and why, and, and what's behind the name? like Where'd you come up with the name?
3: Yeah, I'll start with the name. Because uh, it's a, uh, it's uh, so we're reading.com now. So I'll get to how we ended up with the .com. But uh, the way we got the .io was, um, I was trying to come up with a name, and I was in love with uh, this company called StatusPage.io. Um, it's a dev tool, sort of. It's like a very similar type vibe. and it does exactly what you imagine it does. So I really wanted the name to be like DeveloperHub.io, Um and I copied them completely. Uh, I was doing freelancing at the time actually. And uh, I was working for this company called Watsi which is this nonprofit that I love. Um, and I was doing freelancing half time and then half time I was starting what ultimately became readme. And um, I don't know, I just, one day I was like at the office and I would work from there and I, I emailed um, the status. I said, I emailed like hello at status And I was like, Hey, this is kind of weird, but like I've loved your blogs, I've loved everything about it, um, you know, I just really appreciate like how open you've been, I just want to say thank you for putting all that content out there. And like I just sent like a nice email and I didn't know anyone's name, I didn't know who I was sending it to, uh, I just like hello at statspage.io. And um, the woman sitting next to me goes, I just saw your email and I was like, what? And it turns <laughs> out the person I was working for, her uh, boyfriend uh, was the person who ran statspage.io. and I did. I genuinely wow. had no clue whatsoever. And uh, so I became friends uh, friends with, with them and everything. And um, I wanted Developer dio or something like that that really kind of like described exactly what we did. Because I, I thought that's what developer, or I mean, I, I like companies like that. It's either like you, I, I don't know, I just, there's no ambiguity. It's like, okay, I know exactly what it does. Um, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't, I just, I tried like live docs, doc hub. I was really going for that like GitHub acquisition at one point with, uh, with doc hub. And um, I was on Hacker News one time and someone was giving away ReadMe.io to a good home. And I was like, I can be a good home. Um, so I reached <laughs> out and, um, they were giving away for free. But I still I wanted to make sure I got it because I was like became obsessed with this. So I was like, I'll pay you three thousand dollars. because A lot of people wanted it, but no one else was going to pay. Um, so I paid three thousand dollars for it. Um, but then I got the dot com about a year ago and that cost um, many, 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 many multiples of uh, of um, of three thousand dollars. But uh, yeah, so that's where I came up with it. Um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Um, I like the name. Um, one, I always get text messages from friends, uh, like high school friends, like not in tech, who will like be like, oh my God, I just saw your startup on like Mr. Robot. And I'll be like, no, this is like a readme.txt file. That's a, that's a thing. <laughs> uh, Cause like the, in like, the terminal, there was like vimming into like a readme file. And like, everyone thinks that I have like, not people at tech obviously, but like, you know, my friends always think that I have like insane product placements. So, um, so that's the blessing of the curse. Uh, and the bigger blessing of the curse is um readme evokes, and I love the name, uh, so i'm not gonna change anytime soon, but like it does definitely evoke like this concept of like paragraphs of text. And I, I think um, you know, we do API documentation, so that's great, but I believe that um you know documentation should be showing rather than telling more. And um, so that's kind of where the name comes in. It's like I, we're not just doing readme files where it's just like you know, paragraphs of text. We do a lot of, you know. Of, of text, but um, you know, showing rather than telling, like making things interactive, um, you know, generating code snippets that you can tweak in a code builder, things like that. I'm um, showing logs in lines so people can do actual debugging around the docs. Um, so some ways you could argue that it's like a little limiting, but, um, but yeah, that's so I ended up with the name. It was kind of a, a weird coincidence, but I'm pretty happy with it.
2: That's very cool. I love, I love that. I actually, I, I love the story, especially the story about the person next to you. That's like, I love that story, but I also love the the whole idea about um, you know like it, it says it right on the tin kind of concept. You know, mm-hmm. It's like no, this is what we do, and I always thought of it when I you know, when I've looked at re- interacted with Readme and I looked at it. I almost the way I took this. So this mm-hmm. is this is just you know feedback is like I want you to read me. Like yeah. you know this is this is documentation that's inviting. This is an experience that's like drawing me in. I, I commonly talk about people using documentation in anger. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, damn it, all right, fine. I'll read the docs, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so to me, this has always been a kind of a feeling like, no, 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 you want to read me. You want to mm-hmm. come here. So that's really the message I get from it. Which So I think that sort of, to me, just from sort of a you know a branding product perspective that tells mm-hmm. me there are enough stories about what that what that meme is what that mm-hmm. read me meme is just like readme.txt and all these others that yeah. you're you're sitting on a gold mine that's going to be a lot of fun you have a lot of you have a lot of angles a lot of perspective from it so so i find the the material very engaging the way you the way your product is built mm-hmm. is as well as the way you encourage people to build their own products i really love that
3: I definitely like playing with that uh, for like swag type stuff uh, we don't do anymore obviously but we used to do like uh, when we did in-person interviews for candidates um, we'd like give them um, a book and uh, a water bottle and stuff like that but the water bottles were custom branded and they would say like drink me and like in the readme logo but it would say like drink me and like we'd really lean into like stuff like that like the book would say like write me and we we're like we would really lean into the like uh exactly that um i don't think yeah. it's great branding publicly i wouldn't fill on the website necessarily but uh you know <laughs> for like internal swag and fun stuff like that i thought it was yep. a lot of fun to like play with so
2: Yep. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
1: Cool. One of of the things um, that I've noticed from your website, I was looking again uh, just the other day and then having some conversations with you is that, um, you know, Readme is becoming so much more than just documentation um, which I think is how a lot of people uh, still have that perception in their mind. And it's pretty cool that um, you've thought about sort of not just what you're showing people, but the people on the other side of it. And you're helping people like, design the right experience for their end users. So I'd love to hear you talk about that. I think it's really cool how the products evolved.
3: Yeah, I I always, so um, I did, I'm going into stories because uh, this is a storytelling. Uh, so uh, let me know if I go a little f- too tanginy, but um, so we did my Combinator uh, for people who don't know, it's just an uh, incubator, VC firm. And, and the way it works is you do 10 minute interviews and I applied with a company which ultimately can't read me, but it was called uh, Doc, uh, hub at the time. And um, again, trying to go for that GitHub acquisition at the time, I guess. Um, but, uh, and like we interviewed with them and like, by the end, you get 10 minutes to, des- to describe everything. And like, this was really early on. No code is written. This is more of an idea. And like, I was like, I um, think the last thing they said to me was like, oh, so you, you guys just like really like writing documentation. I was like, no, it's the exact opposite. Like I hate writing documentation. I'm bad at it. I never really want to do it again. I, I think like, just plain documentation is not good enough. Um, and I feel, and, and the way I think about it has evolved a lot since then, but it's basically the same same concept, which is I feel like the best documentation shows rather than tells. Um, you know, and if you and I are using the same API and it's your first time using it, and I've been using it for months and months, like you probably want some marketing pages. You probably want something that's like, you know, kindly going to walk you through getting your API key and like making your first call and like being really excited when you do that. But I don't want that. I You know, if I'm on the docs after like, you know, a year, and things are down and broken, the last thing I want is a cutesy little, like, you know, welcome to the (laughs) so-and-so API documentation. Let's get started. Like, I want the documentation to know what's going on. And, like, documentation traditionally doesn't know what's going on, but it could because it's all APIs. It's all out there. Like, the data is someplace. It's just, you know, locked up someplace. So that's always been my belief is that um, you definitely need written paragraphs of text. You definitely need guides. You definitely need support forms, whether they be public or private. Um, You definitely need uh, reference guides. Um, but also it's really great if it knows who you are and shows you different things based on, based on who you are. And, um, I, it's, it's really hard to do though because people, um, they have a very strong mental model of what documentation is and, um, it's, that's fine. And I don't want to like shy away from saying we do documentation because I think it's very, um, I don't want to try to be selling like from a business perspective, I don't want to be selling like some sort of like you know, high level thing that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, I, I, know, um, you know, you know, postman and optic, like they're very like concrete things. Um, there's other add-ons and stuff like that that are less concrete, but, um, they're all like very concrete. They solve problems. And I think documentation is a problem people have. And like, I don't know, I wouldn't want to ever have you go to like our site and say like, you know, Readme does developer experiences. Like, sure. I want to believe that, but like, what, what does that mean? Um, so like, kind of like, you know, evoking documentation, people are like, "Oh, I know what that means." So again, blessing and a curse. Where the the curse is, um, sometimes it's hard to change people's perceptions of what documentation could be. Um, so uh, yeah, but basically, to sum it all up, like, there's I could spend the next uh, the rest of the hour just rambling on about all the cool stuff you can do by like bringing logs right into the docs. Um, right. But uh, you know, to sum it up, it's just like you know, being able to show different people different things. I think it's really exciting um, and letting them debug and letting them eventually get support if they get really stuck. Um, and not just like, you know, having a stack generated docs that's, um, you just, you know, some engineer threw it over the wall and is like, figure out our API. Because, um, Ken, one thing you said when we started out was um, there's a ton of people who um, use APIs that, who are involved in APIs now, who aren't developers you know 10 years ago like when you got uh when most people here got into the space like i don't think that was necessarily true i think if someone said i work with apis you're like okay you probably have a cs degree or you're probably pretty technical or maybe you don't have a formal training but like you're probably pretty technical but now that's not necessarily true there's so many people involved with apis and apis are so incredibly valuable like some of the customers that we have i'm so in a good way confused by but like excited by like they you wouldn't think they have apis like Fortune 500 consumer good companies um but of course they do because it's just transferring data back and forth and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I really like I love developers. And I like with developers. And when I started reading, I was one hundred percent sure it would be like by developers for developers, much like you know GitHub's five is. But um, it's all over the map. We have a ton of developers, but we also have a ton of people who um, you know from all walks of life that are involved in the API uh, uh, ecosystem. Now,
0: well, I really attribute. I think you guys helped. You know, helped expand. I think that 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 and bringing those people and setting the Mm -hmm. stage i think there was many things that that set that table but you know that the notion of what is docs and i agree with you like there's very rigid people very rigid views of what is or isn't docs Mm -hmm. and that's been really tough to to break and whether it's the api management's companies kind of prescribe like here's what docs are you know and you hang them in a portal and they you know and to um swagger ui you know like swagger ui when it came out was just uh revolutionary it was pretty like it blew a lot of people away but six years later i'm like come on you know like (laughs) let's move on like uh, like let's let's use these capabilities but man i'm so sick of seeing swagger ui and when you guys came along i was just like oh yeah i was like you know it, it was really a, a breath of fresh air as far as okay not only did, can it look it, it it can look different it can look pleasant um it, it it doesn't have to be this 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 jarring experience more technical or dev experience but you guys came at i think you know docs are the number one problem that that people face when doing apis and you came at it i think from a different view than the api management or the developers. And it landed in a way that then I think opened, opened the door wider is how I see you guys coming onto the space. So, big yeah, I don't, you know, I think there's, uh,
3: I I assume all of us kind of feel the same way about our products, but like, there's so many things and we're so far off from where I want to be. And like, you know, even when we get there, then by that time we get there, I'll have like, you know, 10 more things I want to do or 20 or 50. But um, yeah. I, I I always felt like, um, to me, it was so... And everyone can have different opinions and that's kind of you know why you know you, there's not one api tool like you need to use postman and you need to use um you know even back in like management stuff um but I, I always felt like it was weird to me that like documentation there wasn't anyone that really cared about documentation and there still really isn't um we have some competitors now but um it's it's i think the the how do i put it i think documentation is so undervalued in um what goes into making a great API, and um, you know that's that's what makes me so excited because I think documentation is kind of the UI UX for APIs, and you know, but you mentioned like Swagger UI, and I don't want to like you know specifically talk about any one product, but traditionally I think documentation like reference guides are very. Um, I think people think oh people will be able to figure it out, and that's somewhat true. Uh, most developers can figure it out if they're incentivized enough to, and by incentivized I mean they either really really want to or their boss said they had to, or um, most APIs, so I'm gonna take a quick segue into like, you know there's this concept like I know a lot of companies have tried to do like these like API hubs, like GitHub for APIs or something like that, where it's like a gigantic repository of like all the APIs you could ever want. But I don't know if you guys agree with this and and definitely disagree if you disagree, but um, I don't think that's how people find APIs for the most part. There's a few situations where you're like, I need an API that looks up IP addresses, or I need an API that does X or Y or Z. Um, Or I need a text message API and Twilio is too expensive or I want, you know, different coverage or something like that. But for the most part, I don't think people think that way. I think most APIs are, you've already picked the API before you pick the API. Like, you know, you're already using Notion before you use the Notion API. Um, You're not, like, comparing the Dropbox API with the Box API. Like, it it doesn't really work that way for the most part. Um, And that's not completely true always, but um, where I'm going with this is, a lot of times API developers have been really lucky that the person about to use their API has to use their API. Um, there's no getting around it. Um, you know, there's some examples where you can get around it, where you can do something like rapid API. And if you haven't talked to Ido, you definitely should um, see if he'll come on. Um, Cause I, I really like talking to him, but um, like rapid API wraps APIs and, and normalizes them and stuff like that. And in that case, then like you get, you do get to choose, but you're not choosing, do I use the box API or not? You're choosing like do I use the Box raw API? Do I use their SDK, or do I use the rapid version, which kind of is a proxy type thing? Or there's like standard lib is another example of like a um, you know normalizing agent on top of it. Um, so like you you can choose how you interact with an API, but you're not really choosing the API for the most part, I feel, and I think that means that API developers can go a long way with really crappy documentation because you're locked in, you're stuck using them. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way, and it shouldn't be that way. And um, on top of that, like just because 10 people use your API doesn't mean you've hit this like local maximum where it's like only 10 people can use it. Like, you know, I think so many people put up shitty docs. Um, sorry, I'm not sure if I can swear here, but I uh, put up really bad docs and, um, and then they're like, well, I guess no one wants our API or it's not good. Or like <laughs> it's all the information is right there. And like, they, but you don't see, because one thing that's really bizarre to me too, and this has changed recently. Um, and you know, now there's product people involved in APIs for the most part. Um, like most decent sized APIs, but there's no tracking, there's no understanding, like a lot of stuff that we do for regular websites, like if we're gonna spin up a rep website, we would put in like a bunch of analytics, we put in a bunch of, um, you know, intercom chat bots, so people can talk to us. We put in, um, you know, we put in effort into like, maybe having a copywriter, like, you know, work on uh, onboarding stuff and all that, but with API documentation, people don't, some companies do it, but it's not, people don't really do it. And like, it's it's weird to me how many users people probably hemorrhage, Either lose or don't get to love them because they're so frustrated by the API, just because they don't put much effort into the into the API docs. So um, I don't know. I, I just feel like API documentation is the. It doesn't really matter if your API is good or not if your documentation's really, really good. Um, to a certain extent, well,
0: it, it, it really for me documentation is a is a window to everything else behind yep. the the API. All, you know, the design of the API, it's the organizational structure, like there's, it's a window and sure it's like, it's kind of like the, the the glass you put on your bathrooms that's fog so you can't see naked people in there. So you don't get it, you don't get this full view into, you don't see the naked people in the enterprise, mm-hmm. but you do see the dysfunction, I think you do see it does bubble out into shitty documentation and we can cuss on this show um, I, I guess we've never talked about that before but we, we we can have a separate conversation another time about it but and then i mean you t- but you touch on the, the the producer side so it's a window into all of this dysfunction or goodness or intent and belief and i would say empathy and mm-hmm. And then you talked about like some of the feedback loop uh, mechanisms Mm -hmm. for the consumer side is like, you know, if we're putting up a website, this is intended for humans. We know humans are going to come here. We're going to have a conversation with them. We're going to answer them, their questions. We're going to do these different things. And, you know, those of us in the space have, in the DevRel space have had to fight for years for like, Hey, let's not these, you know, it's not just applications and code that's going to become using our APIs. Like we've got to cater to human beings. We've got to get human beings. So, I think good docs reflects that empathy and that reciprocity that has to occur between the the publisher and the consumer.
3: Yeah, and you know, I say I keep saying documentation, but I think there's so many different um, things that, in my mind, fall under documentation. Um, maybe they shouldn't be called documentation. I don't really care what we call it, but um, you know, I think you definitely could call it documentation because once you get away from documentation, you're getting into like weird words like developer portal or developer hub, and I'm cool with all those things, but um, I don't know, I think documentation is so ingrained in like how we, how we do stuff that I'm happy with the word, but um, uh, yeah, it's such, like a, it's such an easy way to kind of create a relationship with the, with the customer, like you said, Ken, and like uh, hide away a lot of the dysfunction. Uh, I always talk about like documentation can be very good at normalizing um, bad APIs. Um, not that you should have a bad API, but, um, uh, no API is dead simple, easy to use because you know if you're using like an npm package or a Ruby gem, like if you get really stuck, you like dig into the code and figure out what's going on, and and you can go to a community and you can check GitHub and like there's it's it's open, whereas like APIs are just weird black boxes, and developers aren't used to that. Like it's 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 a really weird, and I understand why they're black boxes, but it's a weird, really weird like subsection of development where like you know most developers use like a unix shell which is open source like every part of the stack is open source and it's, it's bizarre that apis it's not bizarre that apis aren't it's um it makes a lot of sense but it's kind of like unique that they aren't and it makes documentation so 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 much important because if it's not documented like how are you supposed to know it's um you know i think a lot of times people think of documentation they think of like let's look at like a key of furniture for example where you get that like um that paper packet and you can like figure it out but if you got a key of furniture and you got home you open it up and you realize that they forgot to put that um booklet in your in your stuff like i think most of us could still figure out how to do it and some of us would do that even if they did include the documentation like you'd be <laughs> like I, I could figure this out but it's because like you know what it's going to look like it's going to be a chair um everyone is buying a chair like you it's you're not trying to like mod it or do something weird with it and everything fits in really nicely. Like you can like see, oh, the screw is way too big. Clearly, this is wrong. And like if you're like pushing too hard, you kind of get that feeling like, ah, oh, this isn't right. Or like if you're like, well, there's you know only two screws, but there's six holes. That can't be right. And You can kind of like figure it out. But with APIs, that's not true. There's no interface. It's just like a very hidden interface. And like it, you know, I, I don't know, search the metaphor too much, but it's almost like trying to do IKEA furniture like with the lights out. Um, where there's like nothing, and even then you can still touch and there's like some tactical feedback. So I don't know if I'm stretching this metaphor too far, but um, so I don't think documentation is similar to like what we traditionally think of documentation for APIs because it genuinely is kind of the interface for the API. Um, I know it's not completely true. I know that, you know, you actually make the API call and stuff like that, but um, you can't see it. There's no, there's no like, um, if you were to read like a book, like um, uh, uh, the design of everyday things, like they always talk about like affordances and stuff like that, but like those can exist but they don't exist just by nature. Like you have to right. in, create all these affordances or all these like yeah. um, signifiers. And there's a ton of like very nuanced, like, you know, um, uh, different things. But like, you know, they'll talk about like an affordances. like, you know, you can pull open a door and you can see just from the way the door handle works whether you, pull or push and like, but you don't get that by default, um, which is where things like linters come in or TypeScript, you know, signatures. like there's like, there's, we, we've been inventing ways to kind of like, have these signifiers, but um, yeah, I think that's why documentation is so incredibly important is because an API doesn't exist unless it's kind of documented. Um, I'm not trying to get too metaphorical there, but uh, but yeah.
0: Did you know Mike's middle name is Affordance? <laughs> <laughs> affordance Amundson? He is Mr. Affordance.
2: He's... Damn, it's hard to as, pronounce as a kid. <laughs> that's right, as, but as Greg points out, I have to change my name from Affordance to signifier. There's a whole There's a whole school of thought that is like adjusting that. But but I do, I love it. It's a little too theme. nuanced
3: for me, but it, it does make sense yeah. and I get why, uh, you know, well, second I, edition. I just,
2: or... Yeah, I've just spent, I actually I just spent a couple of months in a community where signifiers are super important. So okay. I, I'm kind of sensitive. I'm a little hypersensitive to that moment. But <laughs> I, really, I really love what you're talking about because um, even when you get into the notion of, like, the design of everything's, everyday things, Donald Norman's book, and all these other things, because one of the things Norman points out, which you just echoed, was that, you know, it turns out none of this stuff is is easy to figure out. You, just, you don't just like plop down and understand your environment and everything, how everything works. Mm-hmm. You have to constantly experiment and push and tweak and you find out that that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And we've all had those kinds of experiences. I tend to think of documentation as a kind of a translator guide or like mm-hmm. a proxy. Mm-hmm. You know, it says, look, you want to be able to do this kind of thing? Let me tell you how you can translate your thought into this cool magical API. Mm-hmm. Right? You you really have to bring people in and you have to be you have to meet them where they are rather than just simply give them all the IKEA parts in a box and say go nuts. Yep so I I really and that's one of the things that I, you know going back to what I talked about before what I like about the readme approach is that yeah there's metrics and there's logs and there's and there's there's readers who are only interested in reference and there's readers who are interested in you know what's the thinking behind it there's lots mm-hmm. of points of view so I really I really am all in on this idea that 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 asset space that mm-hmm. documentation space encompasses a lot of things for a lot of people. And, and I love that you you had this notion that there's more than one avenue in, there's more than one way to talk to people about it, but it's all about making that API, that product accessible. And making it accessible to me may not be making it accessible to Aiden or Kin or whatever. So there's lots of ways. So I, I love that idea. What I'm curious about is with all of the documentation tools, all of the mm-hmm. tools out there, all the generators, all the ones that make it easy to write, all the technical uh, technical writer training and all this other kind of stuff, you still end up with what strikes me as a somewhat in the space, a somewhat peculiar point of view, mm-hmm. like a much more, a much a very different point of view. What brings you to that? Like, how do you get there? Like, what is it that made you say, you know, all those college courses on technical writing, all this other stuff. That's not what I'm going to do. We're going to mm-hmm. do this instead. Where did that come from? I mean, what's, what's the spark that caused you to think about it the way you do, which I happen to love. I don't really know.
3: Um, my background <laughs> is, uh, in engineering. I have a CS degree. I mean, I learned a program before that and I don't, you know, my point isn't that that matters necessarily, but, um, you know, I, my background is, is engineering and, um, But then I switched to design pretty quickly after college and did design for a bunch of years, not doing dev tools necessarily. And then I kind of fell in love with this concept of like designing for developers. Um, And I always, the reason I did read me, amongst other reasons is it felt like it was, um, there's two really great things. One was it was incredibly exciting to me because I thought that there's the biggest delta between like what I could do and, because design doesn't necessarily mean it looks pretty. Um, There's a lot of dev tools out there that look pretty, but like, you know the design. If they didn't look pretty, it would it would be basically the same. It wouldn't really matter. Um, whereas, like I think with documentation, like the usability does really play a huge part. And there's a ton that I could do. I felt. Um, and the second thing is, it felt like a pretty good thing from a business perspective. Um, not that I think that way necessarily, but when you start a company, like it's it is nice to know if there's already a line item for the thing you're building and that people want it, and um, you know you're going to be able to pay people and, and all that. And you don't always have to not every dev tool has to be some sort of greedy capitalistic uh, monolith but it's uh, always nice if uh, companies uh you know you're kind of on the same side and you're selling to the people with money um, and uh so I, um I don't know i i i I talk a lot about this concept that I have of like um intentional ignorance which is um I don't want to know too much because once you start learning a ton about how things are already done, you're like, oh, I get why it's done that way. And, (laughs) uh, you know, fine, we will keep doing it that way. Um, I am in a loving, mostly loving, mostly playful way, uh, a huge uh, hater of um, OAS and Swagger. And it's, I say that because like, it's to me, it's kind of one of those, like um, just because you can add headers, query params, form data, cookies, you know, these 19 different things doesn't mean that, anyone on this planet wants you to. Um, I think, I am not really answer your question, Mike, but I'll get back to it in a second. But like, uh, you know, my favorite API docs, uh, not docs, but my favorite like API on the internet is um, uh, Slack has like this like line in it that's like, this isn't an HTTP restful API, but if you're familiar with it, you'll be fine. And like it genuinely says something like very similar to that. It's kind of like, we're not gonna follow the rules because with them, everything's a post. Um, there's some, like, they make some, I always joke that, like, if someone turned it in for, like, their, like, uh, thesis or whatever, they would fail uh, with the Slack API, but it's one of the most used APIs out there. And, like, I would argue, I don't know how you want to count it, but, like, one of the most valuable APIs out there where, like, you know, Slack is a great product, but I think people use it because of all the plugins and um, extensions and, uh, what do they call them, apps, I forget what they call them, but um, bots, etc. cetera. Um, and, like, I, I, I I'm, I'm kind of... Bring up a bunch of random different things because there wasn't like a, a, a something that I woke up and I was like, ah, I get it. Um, you know, that's that was my like light bulb moment. But I, I just think we overcomplicate things, and then we look at documentation as okay, I'm going to explain all my complicated things that I've done. Mm. Whereas like I want to look from the opposite side, which is like, okay, how do we make this API easy to use? And then what can we do to, um, you know, hide away? And uh, you know, back to the Swagger thing, I don't actually have anything true negative to say about Swagger. Um, I just think that the worst thing you can do is like, you know, throw up a swagger file, or even if it's like, even if it's on readme, um, and just kind of like at all the endpoints and all the parameters and all the query prams and, and all that, because I think, you know, maybe if it's an internal API, that's fine, but for an external API, that's, you know, it's, it's just showing too much of the guts and not enough of like, what do you actually wanna do with it? Um, yep. So I don't know, that's like, I, I just, I just think APIs are too complicated, is the end of the day. Like, um, if you call a function, it's one line. If you call an API, there's so much like setup. There's so much like making sure that, you know, things are encoded properly and all that. And it just feels, um, and SDKs get rid of, of a little bit of that. And like, there's a bunch of different ways to kind of get around it. Or maybe you could say like, oh, we're gonna do an RPC API, but um, that has its own like complications. Um, or GraphQL has insane, uh, lots of upside, but also like lots of downside as well. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, I think that because my background, um, I think I'll sound like, like, like this. I've never worked on an API. Um, like a big API from the creator side. I've always been on the consumer side. And I think that um, is one of the big things that gets me uh. a bit a u- unique perspective. Um, that's not true anymore. Like at ReadMe, we have a, a well-used API, but going into it, I never um, I never thought of it from that perspective. I always thought of it as like, there's too many, just like too, many, too much plumbing, too many wires being hung out. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Um, and I don't know, I think we see that all the time. Like I, you know, I always say, I was kind of joke that like, um, I don't, like I think of APIs and like RESTful APIs the same way I think of like TCP/IP. Like it's fine. I have nothing against like you know it being you know it's a great protocol or whatever you want to call them like specification. Um, but like you don't have to see all the like the the, the wires and everything. Like we can hide that away. Um, you know the internet is just abstracting on top of abstracting. Like you know it, it, DNS is just a nice way to type in. Uh, I paid $170,000 so that people didn't have to type in like 127.3.2.9 colon, whatever, (laughs) you know, they could just type in readme.com. And um, it's, uh, and I I think that, you know, and I'm not saying this is a good thing because I actually think it's bad, but like Chrome's trying every year or so Chrome, I worked at Mozilla uh, on Firefox. So I'm very familiar with like, you know, this like back and forth battle, but like Chrome's trying to get rid of like URLs and they've been trying to get rid of URLs for like a decade. I think that's taking it too far, but like, it's just we're constantly making things easier and easier, um, but APIs to me feel very like kind of stuck in the day they were written, um, yeah. and uh, yeah. So that's my long round well, about APIs. <laughs> I,
2: I, I actually what I got one of the big things I got from that I got a lot, but one of the big things I got from that is that uh, you and this makes sense to me now when I look at it. You really look at APIs from the consumer's point of view. First, I think. I think I see you talking to API consumers. Whereas as an API producer, when you put me in charge of documentation, you may be in big trouble.
1: Because
2: mm-hmm. I think I love post and patch and put and get it. like right. I'm not I'm the producer, not the consumer. So I think that's a really powerful message as, mm-hmm. as well as to think about the consumer when you're writing these document these documentation uh, systems. Because and I also think the other one that you mentioned as well that I got was. You know, the, what you want to see at your level, if you're just a starter versus what I want to see, you know, if I've never seen it before, you're an expert. Um, that's a very different point of view. And documentation, all of that material should be dynamic, should be responsive, should be interactive in ways that I think we're not quite there yet. But but yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I think I, think I see a lot of that in what I read at ReadMe. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that we
3: all have very different opinions and come at it from different perspectives, and I think that's kind of what makes things uh, things work. Um, I think if people listened just to me, we'd have a huge problem because APIs would like look really pretty and uh, not have a lot of stuff going on, but like they wouldn't be particularly like you know I you know governance can is a big thing that you talk about a lot, and like I don't particularly spend much time thinking about that because uh, because you do and because other people do, and I think that's kind of what makes this whole like API ecosystem work is. Um, you know, I, I can be very much like API should be stupidly dead simple and then other people can be like, true, but they also have to like, you know, get you a little more thought into it from the creator side and all that. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it kind of, uh, and I also think with documentation, though, the best, um, you know, it, it's, it's dev tools are very interesting where like most tools you have one interface, but with dev tools. It's really nice when like the first interaction is really dead simple, but then you can like drop in as you learn more and need more stuff. Yeah. Um, I always complain about reference guides um, because I think they're the most important and the least important part of your documentation. Um, there's nothing worse than like going to a developer's hub to like use an API, and all they have is just the reference guides because it's kind of like handing someone in a dictionary and being like, "Learn this language." Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be a reference guide. Now it has to be correct. That's why it's the most important. Like it's the Because APIs are black boxes, like the only interface you have to the API to understand is the the documentation, is the reference guides. But like you can't really understand, like they're very like structured in a like computer-speaky type way, like um, put to blank. And that's really fine behind the scenes, but I don't know. I I always feel like there's like, I I think, I always believe that most APIs have four or five like main use cases that most people probably want to start with. Um, There's tons more you can do, but like with Stripe, you want to charge a credit card. And there's some other stuff you wanna do, but like maybe you wanna like do it at uh, recurring payments or versus like a one-time payment, like stuff like that. But like, you, like there's very simple stories that you wanna tell and like reference guides don't tell a story, they're alphabet, or they tell stories, it's not a particularly good one. Um, you know, it's very like, uh, you know, all the endpoints and stuff like that. And I, I always, you know, we have a feature called recipes, we call it, and um, I think, yeah. you know, the best documentation are ones that tell you why you wanna use the API, how to do something pretty common. Um, Get you started. Uh, we talk a lot about like MVC, the time to minimum viable call. Um, What's the smallest, most obvious thing you can do of consequence that um, proves that the API key is set up correctly? Proves that you have whether it be an SDK or whatever else installed. Proves that uh, your credit card's hooked up or whatever it happens to, to be true. Um, and then people can like dig in as they go on. But like you want this like progressive um, configuration is How I how I think about it, which is. You know it could be you want it to be stupidly simple to get started, very use case based. Um, and then people will dig in as they as they as they as they grow the API a little bit more.
2: but um, but yeah yeah, you know, you know when when uh, uh, Ronnie Mitra and I were doing some so we were like reading through a lot of this material from the API Academy days. Ronnie's based in London mm-hmm. now. Uh, and one of the things that Ronnie came up, which I thought was really good, he said, look, when you're learning a, a language, the first thing you want is they want to tell is, is they, they want people to say, you know say this my name is mike mm-hmm. just keep saying it say my name is mike just practice that you got it you got it. okay so there's these things in the very beginning where you just do exactly what you're told don't ask a lot of questions i'm telling you if you want to make a payment you fill in these five things yeah. you press the button it's done then eventually they're like okay so my name is a fill in the blank or my house is now you can start using a template to start filling in pieces like you have a general use case, you, you customize it for your needs. Mm-hmm. So now you learn sort of a little bit of syntax, you learn mm-hmm. a little bit of pattern. And then eventually they're like, you know what? Let's work on vocabulary.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Let's just learn lots of new words. You know how to construct them. Let's, you know. And to me, that is kind of the way I like to see documentation presented as well. Here's the common use case. Just do this. Thank you very much. You're done. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's enough. I can order a beer. I can find the bathroom. I can get on a plane. I can get a taxi. I can Game get home. Stuff. I'm done. <laughs> right? All the important stuff. But then if I want to actually interact with someone, I need templates. Mm-hmm. I need I need a little bit more structure. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that documentation can fill in each one of those. And I loved what you said originally, which is, you know what? This documentation knows, you know, Mike has been here for like two years. Just skip all of the, mm-hmm. all of that other template stuff. Go right to vocabulary because he's got a particular problem, right? Yeah. I you might want to go straight to the reference guides because you want to yes. like figure out like,
3: Oh it's, it's, oh, it's you know, it's oh the it, it's a number not a oh, string or something like that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. That's how you conjugate that verb. Okay. Yep. Going on. Yes. Yep. And that's <laughs> yeah. where reference guides yeah. come in really handy. But like, they shouldn't yep. be the first. Uh, in my mind, they shouldn't yep. be the first thing you see. And you can play with that. Like, you know, it's okay. Maybe if it's an internal API and it's just like three of you and you know, you're you 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 walk like you can just like turn to the other person and be like, "What's going on here?" And like, then it's fine. But for external APIs, I think there needs a lot more like
2: uh, a lot more love. As a consumer, I usually just want the phrase book. I sure. want the I want the tourist phrase guide for this API. That's what sure. I want. That's yeah. all I need. So and yeah. Oh
0: no, go ahead, go ahead, Gregor. No, nope, that's I got. It. That's perfect. Go for it. Oh uh, no, I was going. <laughs> so I was going to ask Aiden, because he his view and and real quick this the the you mentioned it earlier the poll of different views on the space I think yeah. is essential for us all to go forward. Like, what is Docs? What are you know? And we're all and you and I don't always agree. Like one of my favorite things about you is, is especially back in the day, it's, not, I don't get this much love from you anymore, but back in the day <laughs> I'd write a post and within like an hour or two, I'd get an email from Greg, nah, uh, like you know, <laughs> code, d- API design first is bullshit and, 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 <laughs> and that codes that, but... generating code. And, and then, so I get, you know, and I love that. Cause like, that's what I want in the Is I want dissent. I want people, you know and friendly and being confident and saying no that's actually here's the other view but Aiden comes at it and views everything that we've been talking about with docs but through a, a lens of change and so like you know how, how do those references you know those reference docs evolve like how truthful is that reference doc as as it as it stands there right now is it a truthful representation of where we stand today based upon how we got here and then hopefully where we're going. So what's your view, Aiden, as far as the wider portal, the wider templates, all of this, like can is it is it possible to spoon feed people thing when it's not always a truthful representation because things are moving so fast?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've talked about this too, Greg, in the past about, you know, accurate API documentation being important. Um, and I think that's uh, that's definitely um, something that I think we can all agree on. Like you want the stuff in there to be correct because the worst thing is for a user to have a bad experience where it doesn't work the way it says it will. Yeah. And then they're not sure, is it my fault or is it your fault or somewhere in between? Um, but I think the other thing that, like I was just on a call with some users right before this and You know, this this point in time when when the API stops working one way and starts working another, Mm -hmm. those are like really critical periods and people want to get notifications. And a lot of times for internal APIs, it's OK for things to change, but you just need to know about it before it ruins your afternoon. So Ken and I joked before that, like, there's no breaking changes. There's just ruined afternoons for a lot of APIs. (laughs) And I think I think at the end of the day, like you're you're spot on that um, these are human problems. And I think I think what's really cool about, um, you know, products that are trying to solve the consumer side of this is that we don't all as developers have time to think about our consumers. Like like if every single API inside of a company or every single partner API had like a Facebook sized or Stripe sized uh, DevRel team around that API, like some of the stuff would work better. But because they don't. Um, you know, we we never have enough time to, to take care of sort of that experience for the consumer. So I think it's really cool to have generalized tools that let us sort of get there or get 90% of the way there without having to make all those investments that other people do. And I think that, that makes a lot of sense. And there's a gra- like there's, there's probably a hundred things on top of what you're doing now that you could do too. And we've talked about some of that in the past, but like, it's an endless well of innovation that can happen to make this relationship easier for people. How do yeah. you decide what not,
0: what doesn't go in there, Greg? When you're, when you're deciding what features and what you build, I mean, there's so many things you can do. How do you think about what doesn't, what shouldn't?
3: Yes, um, from a business perspective, and this is not a usability perspective. From a business perspective, um, I don't really have any interest in the creation of the API or the, um, the, the creation of like a spec files because i think there's a lot of tools that do both those things incredibly well um and when i say i don't have interest it doesn't mean that i don't think it's important it just means i think that like it's it's not some place i want to compete because there's people who are doing it really 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 well and in many many different ways um, so like for example you know optic uh, like optics kind of and i don't think this is true but optics kind of a competitor with like you know stoplights you know designer or like swagger hub and like you know i don't think many people are choosing between the two because they're very different products but um I don't really want to compete in that space because I think there's so many uh, good options uh, that, um, you know, there's that's it's, it's uh, I don't, it's, talk be- about- it's the
1: beginning of your responsibility. It's like, it's handed yeah. off at that point.
3: Now, that being said, I completely understand why you'd want to be involved in that as a company. Um, I completely get like the, you know, the business use case of like, I want to be there at the API creation. Like It's going to be so much easier if like, you know, I'm controlling all of it and, and a part of it, or not controlling, but like a huge part of it, but um, I want to stick to, because I think there's so many interesting things, uh, just to the um, the UI, UX, what people touch and feel. Um, I want people to see my company, and I would not have said this five years ago, um, but almost as a kind of support debugging tool, um, because I do think one of the um, worst habits that developers have is this mindset that People will figure it out. Um, it's really hard to get good developer support, and that's changing a lot over the past few years. But um, you know, most support like that's why Stack Overflow exists. Like Stack Overflow doesn't exist for other companies because the companies actually support you. Um, you don't have to like go hope that someone will charitably like know the answer. Um, or you know, companies do put stuff on Stack Overflow now, and they you know they do hire someone to man Stack Overflow if they're a big enough company. Um, but uh, I, I just feel like there's like this gigantic like mindset with developers, and I'm guilty of this, of like, you know, build it and they will come. Um, and like it or not, there's a reason why uh, marketing, sales, support are all like really big, gigantic uh, industries even. Um, and it's because people need help. They need um, convincing. They need uh, to a story to be told to them. That's all marketing is, uh, when done right. When done badly, it's, you know, spamming. But when done right, it's it's just telling a story in a, in a cohesive way. And I don't think much doc, most documentation does that and and I've seen talks where people talk about it like as storytelling um, and I definitely um, agree with that I don't think it has to just be paragraphs of text I think there's a lot of ways to tell a story um but uh yeah and I think um you know, for me also, developer experience and one of the biggest things that traditional documentation, uh, and I know we're leaving in six minutes, I'm going to completely pivot this conversation, but I think um, the difference for developer experience between a good and a bad experience is what happens when something goes wrong. So um, Aiden, you mentioned this a few times, which is like uh, you know, you and Ken said that you know, there's no such thing as breaking changes, there's rude lunches. like that. To, you know, to, to, to take that even a step further, it's like a good developer experience, things always go bad. When you're programming, no one's ever written code that compiles the first time. So like five or 20 years ago, you'd write code and compile it and four months later, you'd be like, ah, oh, I messed up. Like now we have like real-time linting and stuff like that where it's like, or syntax highlighting is so phenomenal. It's kind of like a bumper car to kind of like make sure that you're, um, uh, you know, staying, that you you see, because um, again, we don't have these affordances or these signifiers in real life where like, you know, you're driving, you like go off the road a little bit, like things start to like rattle a little bit more and you, it feels bad. Like you don't have that when you're writing code. Like it just feels fine. Unless you have syntax highlighting and then you kind of start to feel a little bad because things are like, you know, you're getting like notifications. And I think um there's nothing worse than like, making an API call and it's saying like failed. And maybe it's a 503 error, maybe it's a 404. Four. And like, yeah. but then it says like not found or it says whatever. But it it very rotely explains what's wrong. And you're yeah. like, that helps me not even remotely. Like, my favorite um, uh, error messages, um, and we do this at README now, but uh, for, were from angular um because they would, they would say like here's the issue but then they would link to the docs and they would like have a special url where you could like see you click in like your actual variable would be in there so it wasn't like the variables missing would be like you know the variable blank is not found here's how to fix it stuff like that and it, it felt like it was like nudging you back on the path um it was telling you how to fix it um we did this project about a year ago or i did where i went through every one of our errors and was like okay this is they're all horrible uh they're all very like true they told you exactly what i wrong but none of them said how to fix it and I mostly knew how to fix it because I was involved in it and I could look at the code and stuff like that but like a lot of them I was like the user's not gonna know how to fix it so we have a rule now where every error has to have the error but also has to say how to fix it because someone internally knows how to fix it it could be like API key doesn't work, like go to this URL and like actually show them the URL. Don't make them like find it or guess or whatever. Um, and we also include a poem that I wrote. So I wrote about like a hundred different poems. Um, there are like four <laughs> line poems about like your API uh, failing. Cause I figured if people are getting an error, they're probably pretty miserable. So I uh, might as well throw <laughs> a little whimsy in there, but um, that's not exactly helpful. But uh, I do what I do think is helpful is um, we also link to the log and then you can send the log to us. So this is a Ruby product where like you, didn't, you can link to the log in the, in the response and then I can click it and like see the parameters, I can rerun it, stuff like that. Um, and then I can like copy and paste it and, and send the link to mm-hmm. support or whatever. And um, it doesn't matter if you use readme or not. I just think it's such a phenomenal um, oversight that people have with like the errors are really, I think, I, doc- okay, I'll, I'll sum up with this. Documentation is way too optimistic uh, and bad developer experiences are way too optimistic where they just you know think everything's gonna be right. And um, I think Readme can be a tool that is there for that, but also is there when things go wrong and like, help you with that next step. Because um, bad developer experiences are like, stop, and good developer experience just feel like they're nudging you back um, on the path.
0: Cool. I, I like the poem idea. I think that needs, awesome. that yeah. needs to become an RFC and and get baked in. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> they're of cool. varying quality. Some are some are pretty good, and some <laughs> I, I clearly phoned in a little bit, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I, I really like what you said uh, that about the uh, getting you on the path not stopping you but just getting you back you know on within the guardrails i love that idea that's very cool thanks
0: i think we need more of that in the space like yes something broke it was us or you depending you yeah. know but here yeah, you go yeah. like let's figure this yeah. out i'm stuck yeah. on a 500 error with some company called postman their api <laughs> i've, I've got to figure it out here so no i literally have it on the screen i got to fix it after this but that's another conversation um thanks greg for being here i yep. appreciate this this is this has been enlightening to hear the story behind you know your journey but uh um maybe we will we'll get you back and we'll 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 dive into i think some of those metaphors and some of those other areas as well or, so. or we can
3: just do uh poetry readings of uh yes shows. that's, that's what i want or i that's have I a I have songs too that I've made. I, I just got a. Uh, I have a love song called 410 Ten Gone," and it's a love song. It's a sad country love song about uh, with like all the status codes in and stuff like that. So like, yeah, I try to do as much as I can to be like whimsical when it comes to uh, bad things happening with APIs.
2: But uh, <laughs> I love this. I love where this is going. This is going to be a great episode. Cool. Oh, right. You should make
1: a browser extension that just replaces all the status codes with your poems and your songs. <laughs> so we all get to experience the internet as your mind does. I, that's I right. Mean, I'll end it with this.
3: So I wrote like a hundred poems and I was so proud of myself and we published it. And like, I'm just like, okay, I'm just gonna wait for like someone to notice it. And the first support request we got back was you had time to write poems and you still haven't fixed my hair. And I'm like, come on so
1: um we've all had time, time to fix your <laughs> error because i wrote the poem
2: right <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was busy <laughs>
1: yeah
3: so uh yeah i'd love to say that it went over incredibly well but uh yeah the first message was uh, was like a little negative and i was like uh ah, yeah it's fair but cool well thank you yeah. so for having me on it was really good to catch up with all of you mike to meet you uh for the first time yeah. really and yeah. uh in to catch up with both of you
0: yeah cool. well thank you Very and good. uh Very good. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll see. I will you do there. my best. We'll good see. Good luck with the shot. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. Bye, everyone. Oops, cut him off a little bit there. Ouch. <laughs> um. Well, thank you. That was, uh, that was a that was a great. a jam packed one about uh I think uh that dimension of 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 our world documentation. I think that we're all so familiar with, and um I do love his view. Like he is. I've, I've battled with him over the years like him and I argue a lot about things and I love it like it's like the him pushing back I'm like makes me question a lot of my views on swagger and open API and the things I've done. And similar I would say in some ways to our relationship my you know I think you push me in some areas that um. I think some areas that I kind of just take for grant- granted and I hadn't really dove in too deeply. So I, I I love, I like cherish our relationship
2: like that. Yep. I think, I think that's, that's sort of characterizes a lot of our relationships, right. Is is cause I feel the same way about both you two really. It's like, Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Those are great moments, man. Yeah. It,
0: it pushes us out of our bubble. And I mean, I'm yeah. serious. Like he, when read me came along in the space, it really, um, it was a breath of fresh air compared to all the API management stuff that I have yeah. been seeing, and and I and I don't say this, you know, it brought it down, it brought docs down to a landing page level, a marketing level, and not in a negative way. Like I'm saying it in the way that yeah. I would say he was articulating that uh, it's it, it's very much about the consumer view, and and yep. market landing pages are very much intended for you know that audience, and I think that's super valuable.
1: So yep. Yeah. Yep, and it's so it. hard to do that as a producer to also think about the consumer. It's just yeah. for a lot of, it's hard to, to put both those brains on at the same time. So tools like that, that can help all of us do it. It's amazing.
2: Yeah. Yep. Definitely.
0: All righty. Well, um, I'm going to let you go first, Aiden, but you enjoy your weekend. We'll see, see you next you week.
1: Have yep. a good weekend as well. See ya. Bye.
2: See you, bud.
0: Alrighty. righty. well, um, any, any big plans this weekend are you gonna just
2: uh... uh you know what I got a new toy I might as well just brag and because uh, it's just such a such a dad thing I got a new lawnmower
0: nice
2: so I'm gonna work on my new lawnmower I'm gonna mow the lawn I'm gonna nice. be very excited
0: no where it's just you gotta enjoy being old in the in the finer yes
2: this is uh, it this like... is it for me this is I, I literally use the meme I, crack my kids up. I I got a picture of my old lawnmower. The wheels are falling up. There's a hole in the deck where grass shoots out when I'm mowing. And then I've got my brand new, you know, uh, electric battery-powered mower. And I literally put the two pictures side by side. Um, This is how it started. This is how it's going. (laughs) So that's me. And
0: you're electric, so you're
2: environmentally friendly now. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. I can redirect wherever the power is coming from, you know. Yeah, nice exactly. well you enjoy more
0: your lawn sir um i, I think i'm I just will. gonna rest and read a book this weekend so
2: that sounds like an excellent idea and all we'll right. see you next
0: week we'll see you next week sir thank
2: you all right see you Bye. bye-bye all
0: right another one for the books uh y'all have a good week too we'll see you next time cheers